Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that did not take long. They are now outside the homes of Justice Brett Kavanaugh and Justice John Roberts, which of course leads me to wonder, do they even, of course they don't understand. They don't understand this is blind, mad rage that is being expressed in the streets. And of course folks have the right to protest, but where does protest become a an intended form of intimidation? Um, instead of a way by which people can express their, uh, you know, their displeasure with things that the government is doing or considering doing in this place, um, in this case, I should say. Again, talking about the Roe versus Wade, um, Casey cases that may be overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States in the weeks to come. We're probably still a couple of, uh, Maybe close to two months away from that, at least six weeks or so. We'll get into this in due course today, my friends. Welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can send me your thoughts, opinions, feedback, questions. And, of course, you can always send your adoration and praise as well. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Let's get right to it here today. Um, Saw this headline over the weekend. Protesters marched to homes of Brett Kavanaugh, John Roberts. Um, This happened again over this this weekend. A pro-choice, this is a Newsmax article, a pro-choice activist. um, Well, that's not the part I want to read. After a a pro-Roe v. Wade groups doxed the addresses of Supreme Court Justice John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh, protesters marched to their homes with signs and Sounding chance of codify or codify row. So pause there for a moment. Now you know because you paid attention in civics class. You know because you are an educated American. You know because we talk about it on this program. The role of our federal government, right? We have three co-equal branches of government. At least we're supposed to. That's how the founders intended for it to be. We have the executive branch, which is the president's, uh, which is run by the president. He's the chief executive, so to speak. He's the um, commander-in-chief. He's the head of the executive branch of government, and he has powers. He doesn't have all, well, he doesn't have all the power. We don't have a king. We don't have decrees. We don't have edicts, unless, of course, we have someone at the helm who doesn't respect the Constitution. And then, of course, that is oftentimes what happens in the form of executive orders. By the way, all executive orders, a little bit of a tangent here, all executive orders are not necessarily equal. There are legitimate executive orders. It's not just looking at the numbers of executive orders and saying President A issued this many executive orders and President B issued this many executive orders, and then you look at the sum total and say, well, this person has to be more of a a, uh, totalitarian because they're issuing more 
executive orders. It turns out, as is the case with virtually anything in life, context matters. Context matters. Sometimes an executive order can be issued to help fulfill Congress's desired intention, stated intention, or the executive branch's interpretation of that to make sure that a law that has been duly passed in Congress and signed into law by the president, or in the case the president vetoes it and Congress has enough votes to over, override that veto, whichever the case may be, that president can that president can issue executive orders that say, hey, this is what Congress passed, and in order to help us get this law enforced and moving forward, these are some executive orders, some actions this branch is going to take to help with the implementation of said law. Um, that's not oftentimes what these are. It's also, by the way, sometimes an executive order is issued because we have a bureaucratic state um, and because Congress has abdicated some of its responsibilities. It's murky as to what that means exactly. Congress doesn't. All Congress wants to do is kiss babies, shake hands, pass legislation that's naming libraries after uh, people that make them popular to name libraries after. They want to go out there. They want to use their talking points to fundraise. They want to stay in office. They want to get this cush job set up for life. Um, That describes way too many of our congressmen and women today. And so, but they're supposed to be passing laws. They're sometimes supposed to be dealing with issues that are not popular, that oftentimes, um, well, that cause emotions to be inflamed. And... They don't like to do that because that makes it hard to get elected and all this sort of stuff. I mean, unless you're from a district, if you ever if you ever wonder why people, certain people have basically uh, become the spokesperson for the radical left today, it's because they're from districts that are completely unhinged as far as their radical leftism is concerned. Na- Nancy Pelosi from a radical leftist district. AOC, radical leftist, right? And... And there's others. I mean, we've got Cory Bush. I don't want to go through all of them, but you know some of the names. Um, in, in mentioning some names, I'm leaving out others. And But what happens is they become the de facto spokesperson for the Democrat Party because the people that are from districts that are, even if they've elected Democrats, they're moderately reasonable people. <laughs> they're moderately reasonable people. They're not on board with this radical nonsense and gibberish we see being forced upon the American people with the agenda of Nancy Pelosi and these other leftists. But anyway, so they become the de facto spokespeople. They become the the ones that are not afraid to go into media because because they don't re- there's no consequence. They can't say anything stupid enough or crazy enough or uh, insert any other phrase or descriptor here. Um, left enough to pay any political consequence. And the other folks, the other Democrats who end up voting along the same lines as these folks can have some degree of plausible deniability because they're not the ones out there on the microphone, on the camera, you know, saying these ridiculous things. They're saying more moderate things, but oftentimes they're voting in line with these openly radical leftists. Bernie Sanders is another, there's a lot. There's another, uh, many that come to mind, but there's many that, aren't they can't position themselves as radical leftists or they would not get elected which of course goes right to my point that you hear me talk about on this show on a regular basis which is today's 
radical left is not as popular and powerful as they would have you believe. In fact, many Democrats have to convince people they're not as left as those that are speaking, you know, like AOC, like Nancy Pelosi, like even I would say Chuck Schumer to maybe a little bit of a lesser extent. But these are folks um, who seem who actually have more power than well that how do I say this they they seem to have more support than they actually do inside those rooms where the doors are closed they are the Democrats are hashing it out they are upset that they are going to have to go back in November and be held accountable for the radical agenda that has been before the American people, this absolute disaster that's happened in this country. And of course, the leak of this document, uh, of the, the early draft of the uh, this ruling that may overturn Roe versus Wade in the Casey case, um, this is designed to change that narrative. This is designed to get out of the talks of you know, eight, ten percent inflation rates. Um, you know, just an a- absolute disaster of a dumpster fire that's been pushed upon the American people by Joe Biden and the radical left. They can't win on that. They know it, so they want to change change the narrative and get get their base again. Get the base back into this. Let's forget about how much gas costs for a minute, and let's talk about this so called fundamental right to abortion. Right? That's what this. This is ultimately about, by the way, by the way, Roe versus Wade, Congress has had, Congress has had since 1973, the opportunity to codify, codify Roe versus Wade. They have not done that. And it's for the reasons I just explained. Um, The American people are not just, you know, all excited about being a nation that has some of the most unrestricted late-term abortions, at least, I don't know if you've seen some of the charts. If you look at some of the the abortions, some of the places that allow such late-term abortions, the United States is on on those lists, along places, names like China and North Korea. And again, not all this is directly the response to Roe, but Roe and Casey, those two cases combined, have created havoc on the ability of states to regulate this, to set certain parameters on on abortion, which obviously needs to be done at minimum, if not if not completely done done away with. Um, so, so I mean, abortion, the issue of, of abortion. So Congress doesn't do its job. The Supreme Court comes in on a couple of cases and just makes things up out of thin air that has been then forced and thrust upon the American people. This has been an issue that is being that has been fought vociferously and uh, you know very strategically, long-range planning and so forth done by both sides. This is not going anywhere. There was never a political solution. The political solution was passed over to the Supreme Court, which is of course the branch of government that's supposed to interpret law, not make law. That is the role of Congress. Congress, however, does not do that. They kick the can to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court comes with all sorts of arbitrary things like viability, 24 weeks, 20 weeks, all this sort of thing, late term, early term, first trimester, second trimester, which I'm not saying are not real things. I'm just saying these rules that didn't exist in in anything in the Constitution, they just made it up. They made it up and thrust it upon the American people and said, there you go. 
And so, because of that, and because of the lie, first of all, the 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 Roe case was is an absolute disastrous decision. Whatever the ruling was, this is what I think people. I wish more people. I wish more pro-choicers would listen to this because it it matters. So it doesn't. It what decision the court ended up making on Roe in the Roe case, based upon their way of thinking, was going to be wrong because they should have looked at this and said, "There's nothing in the Constitution that prohibits that. This is not a constitutional issue. This is a state's issue." And then they should have said that goes to the states. Fight these battles at the state at the state level or or theoretically pass a federal law. That is not what happened. Instead, they told people, they told women, they told anyone that would listen. Actually, they didn't even tell us. They just tried to indoctrinate us with this silly notion that there's a constitutional right. Remember, constitutional rights, our rights come from God not from government. We're supposed to believe, by extension of this, that God gave us the right to kill, the right to murder an unborn child. I just, folks, that should be enough for the average person to say that's not a constitutional right. That, that, is, that is preposterous to suggest, to, in my mind, that is absolutely preposterous. Science has made it abundantly clear it is abundantly clear that life begins at conception. There's no other point. This is silly to even have this debate, right? It's truly silly to have this debate. Part of me thinks the radical left gets really excited and thrilled to death to change the narrative on what is reasonable and logical. If they can get people to believe nonsensical junk, then I think that their intention, which ultimately is to undermine the sense of morality, Western culture, right and wrong, and make a make a universe where everything is morally equivalent to one another, where there's really no such thing as good and bad, right and wrong. There's just each of us lives our lives um, without, without any consequence. That's really what I think the true hardcore radical left wants. I don't make any bones about that. That's, that's what I think. Anyway, but as such, it's created all this problem. And now the Supreme Court case, the draft of it was released. I saw Clarence Thomas come out and say they're not going to be, the court is not going to be intimidated. Kudos to him. I love Clarence Thomas, by the way. Now these protesters whose ad you know, the Supreme Court addresses was they, they were released. They were they were made public on social media somewhere, on a website, I don't know, this group called Ruth Sent Us. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, apparently, uh, is the the role model for this group. The name is Ruth Sent Us. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course, passed away here, uh, what, a, a year, or a couple of years ago. And so now this group is saying, we're going to take up um, these issues in her name, and we're going to dox, which means publicly identify personal information about the Supreme Court justices. We're going to put on a map on our website and probably tweeted it and everything else as well, showing where these folks live, asking people to go and to protest outside their homes, which I said last week reminds me an awful lot of Maxine Waters saying to her radical supporters to get up in the faces of Trump administrative officials and so forth. Folks, that's not protest. That's 
That's intimidation. That's a different thing. Protest is the ability one has to freely express one's displeasure, even to express it in ways that might be a little bit, you know, the language could get a little offensive to people. That's okay. But what's not okay is trying to intimidate, bully. This is mob rule at some point. At some point, mob rule becomes the way that the radical left wants to see us governed. And they do want it when they know that they have, they're not afraid of any tactic. They're not afraid of doing whatever it takes to get whatever they want. And so that's what they've done. And they've shown up at the houses. I just see two. There might have been others. I see that they've shown, out at, shown up at Robert's residence and Kavanaugh, which, of course, it appears Roberts is going to not side with the majority on this. So it's like they don't even understand. Plus, they're yelling codify Roe versus Wade. That's a that's a chant to be made outside of Nancy Pelosi's gated home or wherever she is in Washington, D.C. Um, that's for Congress. It's it's they don't care. It's whatever it takes to prevent this issue of abortion from being taken away. They're prepared to do it. And now they're protesting at churches. I don't know if anyone listening to my voice had a protest outside their church yesterday. I would be interested in hearing that. If you did, we did not. Um, of course, there's all sorts of issues at that point. I mean, do they understand the issue of protesting on private property? I mean, what this is, this is beyond the, um, well, maybe the pay grade of some of these activists who've stumbled into things that they don't even know what they're talking about, but they don't care because, again, this is, as I've said before ever so brilliantly last week, this is a central tenet of what it means to be a radical leftist. And if this crumbles, my friends, if this crumbles, this, I mean, this is akin to, you know, their, their faith being proven to be a lie. They cannot, they cannot have that. So lots more to say about this. Lots more happened over the weekend, but I got to take a quick, a quick time out here. Listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So, oopsie daisies, dropped the phone there. Let's <laughs> let's uh, get back to this issue of the of the protesters going to Justices Kavanaugh and, of course, Chief Justice John Roberts' home over the weekend to protest in the streets. Again, it's not about protesting. It's about amping it up. It's about, think about this, personal, you know, your, your personal space. This is a place. This is against the law in some, I know, I'm pretty sure I saw it's against the law in Virginia, and I'm not sure where these two particularly uh, live. You can protest in public places, yes, um, but you can't, you can't do anything you want in a protest. You can't say anything you want. I mean, you can make, you can use language to express your ideas, your frustration, but you can't start threatening people who disagree with you. That's when this begins. You, you've heard me do the old, when does a protest become a riot? I mean, this is kind of the first steps of, of that, right? Now, I'm not saying that that's what happened, but you begin, the, the, this is the beginning. This is just started. This is just getting going, right? This is, we've got a long way to go here. <laughs> they're, they're, this is going to get more intense. By the way, did I see, I think I saw last week, Congress had to, did Congress pass something to give more security to Supreme Court justices? I think, I think I saw that. Um, 
think I saw that Congress allocated more funds for the protection of the Supreme Court justices, which, which incidentally, this is, I thought about this when I saw this. How is this not at the top of the list, right? How, how is this something that you only think of now at this point? Remember, we've got a government that promises us everything. They can lower the sea levels. They can bring down the average temperature on planet Earth if we just comply and listen to them. They can make pay equal pay for every person you know, on, on planet Earth. They can end any problem if we just reelect them, if we give them more of our hard-earned money in the form of taxes, if we just go along. We just go along with what they want. They can create utopia on Earth, which is, of course, utter gibberish and nonsense. But they cannot even, they don't even consider, huh, maybe in this highly political climate, this is something, <laughs> this is something that shouldn't take this level of, I don't know, uh, intensity for them to realize, you know what, maybe we should amp up security for the Supreme Court justices. I mean, there's only nine of them, right? Now we've got people giving out their personal addresses. Now we have people who believe that the five justices that are at this point in time apparently in favor of overturning Roe and overturning Casey, they've got people saying that these people, these Catholic Supreme Court justices, are here to force their religion upon women, make decisions for how they have their, well, they, they're going to take away health care, which abortion apparently to the radical left is health care. Go, go try to explain that one to, uh, to someone who understands basic biology. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we have, we have people that are slowly but surely justifying extreme actions against these folks. And why wouldn't this have been something that's been in place for decades? more uh, robust protection for the Supreme Court justices. Seems like to me that should have been thought about before and it shouldn't have just been um, increased late last week or whatever because of because of these threats. This this in today's political climate that is the reality of what we're of what we're dealing with. So these these protesters, these they're not I don't want to say protesters. That 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 demeans the average protester. These are folks who, who are intending to intimidate someone into changing their vote on this particular decision. It's intimidation tactics. It's shakedown tactics. And this is just beginning. Watch where this goes. You know this is going to go a lot further than where we are today. And I hope it doesn't get... You know, that there's there's the... There's a scale in our minds. You know, I think we think, okay, it's getting intense. Now it's getting crazy. Now it's getting ultra crazy. Now what's going to happen? Is something really bad or violent going to happen? Those are questions we have to be prepared to answer. And so they're out there in the streets chanting things. What are some of the things they're chanting? Codify Roe, which, of course, Kavanaugh and Justice John, uh, Chief Justice Roberts cannot codify Roe even if they wanted to. Of course, I suppose they could effectively codified if they didn't follow the Constitution as the previous courts have done, I suppose. But it still wouldn't be codifying it. It would simply be, you know, not applying the law and the Constitution as written and intended by our founders. But the legislative branch would have to codify it. They were also chanting things like pro-life is a lie. You don't care if people 
die. Now, this seems to me tantamount to an admission that they understand that people do die in an abortion, and they simply don't care. They simply think that the person who dies is not, uh, is not the same level of human being that they are. Um, they seem to think that it's justifiable, but they also seem here by saying that pro-life is a lie. You don't care if people die. Um, it seems to me they acknowledge because pro-lifers would say we don't like, we think it's wrong. We think it's constitutionally wrong, morally wrong, whatever, all those things. We think it's constitutionally wrong, morally wrong to kill the life of, a, of another human being who is completely innocent um, when 95% of abortions plus are conducted uh, because of an elect, it's an elective procedure or um, there's financial and economic reasons, but some, something tied to uh, you know thinking about personal finances, career, some sort of other decision, I'm not ready to have a child. I actually heard somebody um, explain pretty nicely the other day the difference between you know, people. One of the things that the left will also say is, uh, I don't know exactly how they say it, but something along the lines of consenting to sex is not consenting to pregnancy. And I heard someone actually explain this quite well, which I'll talk about that in, um, in the segments remaining because I've got to take a time out here. But I want to start with pro-life is a lie. You don't care if people die. I want to talk about that. Because now, of course, what they're saying is if you really cared about people, we talked about this last week, if you really care about people, you will um, you know, give them free everything. You'll give parent, you know, new mothers free health care, free delivery, free child care, free education, free. And, of course, by free, what it means is You'll pay the bill, the taxpayers will pay the bill for people um, so that they can still pursue their careers and all that sort of stuff the way that they had planned. You can, by the way, still pursue a career if, you, um, if you're a mother. There's, there's, it's, look, I am under no illusion here. It's, it's difficult, um, certainly. I'm just saying that there are, there are people that have done this. And it's incredibly difficult. My hat goes off to, to single parents, single mothers, single fathers. I mean, this is an incredibly difficult, difficult job. But to say that pro-lifers don't care about, they don't care if people die, or that pro-lifers don't care, um, well, really about anything, that it's all about just being selfish and not caring about someone else, that's, that's just totally false. They don't want to understand us. They don't want to be open to having a conversation because I think they deep down know that the conclusion is inevitable, my friends. Quick time out. Listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So let's talk about a couple of these things here. Let's talk about one of these slogans or chants that these leftists make, which is pro-life is a lie. You don't care if people die. So you don't care unless, um, well, I guess unless you're prepared to federally fund everything. I think about it like this, and and I get, look, I understand in a sane world there are different perspectives on things, right? I understand that. 
I understand that I, if you frame it and say women shouldn't be forced into having a baby, of course I don't agree with that. But let's wait a second here. How did we get to that point, right? And that reminds me of something I alluded to earlier, which was a person on, I don't, I don't know who this person was. I saw it somewhere, some video on social media. I'm not intentionally not thinking of the person. I just can't at the moment. I didn't plan to talk about this. But the person said, you know, the, the, one of the things that the left says is, you know, um, I consent to sex but not to having a baby, not to being pregnant. And the person, if you want to get mad at someone, get mad at the person. I'm just relaying information here. But you can get mad at me too because I think this is right. But the point is the person says, you know, it's like you can, if you consent to something – and there are potential consequences for the activity or the thing that you're consenting to, then that that's you can't say I don't accept the consequences. So they made the analogy, this person made the analogy that said, if you go to Vegas and decide to shoot craps and you say I'm gonna put ten thousand on black and you lose, um, you can't say I consented to play craps, but I didn't consent to losing ten thousand dollars not the way that it works and that's correct and that at the core of this i don't like to say this but folks i don't know it is unavoidable at the core of this is a desire amongst a group of people to engage in whatever activity you know they decide to choose um that they that they decide to engage in without any consequence to the point to where they're quite literally folks i it just prepared and i know some people don't think about it this way i know i think after the fact they do but they literally decided to consent to an activity that brings them pleasure and in result if the consequences are another you know being being pregnant they were prepared to kill the other person it is i that's an atrocious way to, to have this framed. And I know that not all that that's not the way that people necessarily think about it. I get the initial panic and you know the thinking of what did I really do? But I think in that list of things we think about is that people should think about is the life of the of the person. That person's already been created, genetically unique. Fifty percent the mother, fifty percent the father human being in and of himself or herself who's speaking out for the rights of that person no one's forcing you to have a baby people are saying we're not going to and if in a case where first of all this is just by roe v wade being overturned that's not necessarily doesn't mean there's not going to be any abortion then there's the next conversation which is what do states want to do about abortion but to say you can't murder your child i mean gee whiz if you can can you murder it at 20 weeks, the unborn child at 10 weeks, six weeks, two years? I mean, where do we, where do we draw the line? And you'll hear pro-life speakers talk about this, this very thing. And the only way at that point, the only way to, at that point, after the child is a unique human being, where we can say that it's okay to, to kill them, I mean, is to say, is to say that... Um, we don't think this life is is worthy of rights, and then then this begins to all our, the entire republic and the way that rights are 
understood to have been granted and received, it begins to unravel because now if you can kill a, a person at 20 weeks, can you, can you kill them at some other point? And people say, of course not, Todd. That's not where this is headed. Really? I mean, look at, look at, the, <laughs> look at how quickly, look at how quickly um, all these varying uh, LGBTQ things have been thrust upon us. And folks, we haven't gotten, we're not even to the end of this yet. I mean, I can't. I have to have things mapped out for me to even follow what some people are telling me. Cis this, and you know, I I don't even know half the times transgender that, you know, transitioning here, all these things, polyamorous. I I, I just it, it's it's opened up this incredibly complex and dare I say corrupt mindset. That I don't even want in many cases to under. I want to understand people. I want to be where people are, but I don't want to understand and have to be forced to accept some of this depraved thinking and behavior. And I would say, in that, I would also say I don't feel the. I feel the, a similar way about someone trying to explain to me why it's okay to kill another life at a certain amount of time. That's what it's about. Conversely, you know, for people who are say against, uh, you know. Gun freedoms, they want to get all guns off the streets, but they also say that they care about the safety of women. I would say how many women have been subjected to sexual assault and rape um, maybe because they couldn't get a weapon to protect themselves? Has that ever happened? Of course that's happened. And they're on the streets drawing with sidewalk chalk coat hangers outside of Kavanaugh and Robert's house saying that if you you know if you overturn Roe, you're going to force women... Uh, to, to revert to this, and I think if you take away a gun to protect a woman from a rapist, would I, would I think of drawing a knife outside this, uh, the house of a justice to say, now you're going to force women to kill or protect themselves from attackers with this weapon instead of that one? I mean, this is, um, you know, the, the way that this is fought. But to say that we don't care about life because we're not going to fund it, you know, everything that uh, become complete socialists, if a child is born and fund 100% of their everything, college, food, housing, whatever they want to do with life, that's, that's a false choice, right? I mean, we weren't responsible. We weren't responsible for the creation of the life, but I think we do. We all want to create a society that says, let's create a society where we can have enough prosperity to where groups can come in and help. By the way, the group's not the federal government because they can't, again, they don't even think to uh, provide security, enough security for Supreme Court justices. Anyway, long in this segment. Got to take a break. Listen here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. Let's shift gears for a little bit in the time we have remaining. This is something I want to keep an eye on as... As time goes by, um, and that is this, well, this uh, this news about Elon Musk buying Twitter over the weekend. <laughs> Let me say this: I freaking love. Now, I want to be careful here. This is not an all-out endorsement of everything that Elon Musk stands for, his political affiliation, any of that. None of that. I'm just saying. As it pertains to what he's doing here, what he says he stands for, and what I think he's really trying to do, 
I love this. I love that he's buying Twitter. I think it's great. He tweets out over the weekend. I think this was over the weekend. This may have been. Yeah, I think this was Saturday. Tweets out a series. Actually, he tweets one out Friday, and then um, I guess he replies to the tweet or something the next the next morning, Saturday morning. He says this, if Twitter acquisition comp- uh, completes, which, by the way, there's a new lawsuit which now says uh, he didn't meet some reporting requirements, so he has the, the, the purchases delayed. It, it's going to court, uh, or they're wanting to take it to court. I don't know. The lawsuit has been filed. Um, so he says if Twitter acquisition completes, Elon Musk, this is Friday, company will be super focused on hardcore software engineering, design, infosec, and server hardware. He retweets a... Um, an article that was at Fortune.com that said that job interests uh, for people wanting to work at Twitter increased more than 250% since it was announced that Elon Musk was purchasing Twitter. The next morning, he tweets this out, and this has made the left go into another rage. Also, work ethic ex- or, you know, work ethic expectations would be extreme, but much less than I demand of myself. Of course... Now that they've exposed themselves on this as well. Now, look, I understand. I understand that when you uh, work for someone or a company, I mean, you're not selling them your, your soul. You have a family. I get all that. I get all that. But there's a lot of people that don't even want to work. I, in fact, I think finding people who want to work today is like looking for diamonds in the rough. Um, it's hard to find people that really want to work. And he says, look, work ethic expectations would be extreme, but it's much less than I demand of myself. I guarantee it's much less than he demands of himself. Literally no one would sign up for that. That's the case for most entrepreneurs. This, of course, led the left into meltdown mode, um, saying just how terrible it was for Elon Musk to have extreme work ethic expectations of people. Um <laughs> which again, I mean, I just think if I'm an employer and I see people in the future who tweet about not caring about how hard they work, I, there's no way in the world I would hire that person. And a lot of people think like that as well. Timeout's in order, though. I just wanted to share that, give you a quick up- update. Elon Musk is ruffling feathers of the radical left every time he takes a breath or sends out a tweet. Quick timeout, my friends, back in just a minute. <laughs> All right, my friends, all the time that we have for today. I know we've stepped on some toes of leftists all program today, but look, I don't hate you. In fact, we're conservative, not bitter. I hope you would stick around and just listen to why we think the things that we think. But, of course, that's not the way the game is played today in most cases, but it is here. It is here. I do hope that you'll stick around and know that it's not it's not personal. Um and we want to we persuade. I want to be understood, even if you disagree. And conservatism is based on some very, very sound logic, some very, very true and tried principles. Anyway, that's all the time I've got today. Thanks for listening, folks. X, SDG, see you tomorrow. Take care.